Are you ready to turbocharge your financial IQ? Hey friends, my name is Murray Miller and I want to welcome you and your family to the Family Business Podcast where every episode is designed to keep you focused and on track to live a life free of financial stress, worry and fear. Would you like to know the exact powerful money strategies that not only our immediate family has implemented, but also our extended family of thousands and thousands of people around the world? Well, then let's get on with it and let's begin building a financial wall around your family. All right, guys, welcome back. Here's part two of my interview with Alyssa and Jen and the Mom Empire. And I think this part will tie it all together for you and all the things we talked about. So I'm excited to bring this to you. Here we go. Going back a while, Jennifer, a long time ago, you were talking to me um, about some of the ways we communicate with our clients because that was when I was about to start taking over most of our client communications. And you said something to me that was so fascinating. And I literally have remembered it anytime I'm writing an email or anytime I'm doing a text to somebody um, that entrepreneurs have a different have a different brain. Their their brain works differently than non-entrepreneurs and they just see things differently <laughs> and they approach business differently. And it's so true. And Murray, you are 100% this entrepreneur. Like, do you... Do you have people that come to you and they're like, I want to learn how to be an entrepreneur? Do you think that that's something that can be taught or is it, is that a non-brain, I mean, not non-brain, non-entrepreneur brain (laughs) hiding that, you know, kind of thing? I love that. That's a great question. So um, there are, there are literally college courses in entrepreneurship where Chelsea graduated from is the number one college in the country for like 24 years in a row for entrepreneurship, Babson College outside of Boston. And um, entrepreneurship can be taught. However, although you can learn about entrepreneurship and solving problems and creating uh, businesses from solving problems, which I talked about in my last episode, the number one thing you need to be successful as an entrepreneur is desire. You have to have this gut burning desire for something because yes, there are a set of procedures and steps that every business can follow to succeed because it's, it's a duplicatable process that, you know, here's what you have to do, do this, do this, do this, and then you'll be successful as far as getting your business off the ground. And like I said, anyone can follow those steps, but a person with passion and drive and grit they're the ones that will persevere because, you know, the sun is always shining and everyone is happy when the sun is shining and everyone can be great. But as soon as the rain clouds come in and as soon as there's a downturn, as soon as something bad happens, that's when everyone scatters. OK, and I can relate it back to years ago. This may be even before you guys can remember because you weren't probably in the, in the market for a house back in the mid 2000s. 2005, 2006, 2007, but there was there was a, a huge increase in the number of people that were selling mortgages. Mortgage rates were low. People were having these no interest, uh, excuse me, no um, income verification, low interest loans that they were taking out. So everyone was jumping in to become a mortgage person. You know, it was the Domino's pizza delivery person that became a mortgage person. And I'm not being facetious. I'm telling you, everyone was jumping in and getting their license because the the rules were, it was like the Wild West. (laughs) And then what happened is there was a market crash and 
all of these people were buying these homes that they couldn't possibly otherwise afford if the interest rates weren't so low, they didn't have the income to, to, to verify for it. And then all of a sudden we see a housing market crash. And what happened? The industry went under scrutiny. All of a sudden, the, the regulators came in and they said, we're going we're gonna to revamp the way this thing is done. And they put it, the screws to the marketplace. And all of those people that jumped on board were gone. And who was left? Mortgage professionals. People that actually cared about what they did. They followed the rules. They weren't, they weren't treating it like it was just you know a lottery ticket. And then the industry re regulated and reshifted and became completely legitimized again, but it took years for that to happen. So the same thing, my point is, you have to be ready to go the long haul and you have to be driven and passionate and know that you're going to go through ups and downs along the way. It's going to happen. I promise you, if it doesn't happen, you're in, you're in a fantasy land for a period of time because it's going to happen eventually. So you have to be able to persevere. That's the key. Yeah. Well, and I just like, I would sweat just thinking about even being a mortgage lender or anything like that. Like it just is not my calling. So I'm like thinking of these people who are running to that field. Like you guys are crazy. That mm -hmm. just, that has no interest in me, but I totally get what you're saying because I kind of did that. I, I jumped into the world of real estate after I graduated and I did two years. Um, I have a background in interior design. And so I did two years in the field and then I was like, what's something that I can kind of do that's similar to that, but isn't in an office. Oh, real estate. And I just didn't, I loved real estate, but I didn't have the passion for all aspects of mm -hmm. real estate to keep going with it. And then I found the mom empire and it was, you know, it was like a light switch almost like this, this is something that I can see myself doing and I really enjoy it versus the other one where it was like, this is just a job. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, you can tell in your work that you're passionate about it and you're good at it. And that, that oh, that's you. why people stick with you. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it and I probably should have notice that when I took my marketing classes in in college but you know what 19 year old and 20 year old should be making those decisions not me <laughs> good point um so I want to talk a little bit back up a little bit and talk about um, the importance of multiple streams of income because I know that's kind of your area of expertise so I, it can kind of change your life in two ways so I want to talk about how that can change your life and maybe help you boost this like dream career that you've wanted to build or business you've wanted to start. But then I think we've already kind of talked about like how it can change your life if you are doing something that that maybe isn't right for you. So let's talk about the positives, how it can boost your business and help you get to where you want to be. I love that. Yeah. So they say that the average millionaire has seven different streams of income. So oh there's, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do seven completely different businesses. Um, you know, some people think, oh my God, I, I don't have expertise in all those areas and it would just take so long. The way I look at it is diversification, diversification is good. However, synergies around what you do is very powerful as well. So I'll give you an example. When I had a property and casualty agency years ago, I was in the commercial transportation insurance business. So I insured tractor trailers for their liability, their property, their cargo, all that stuff. So that was a great business. And I marketed through magazines at the time. The internet wasn't as big as it is now. So I'm showing my age a little bit, but it was basically <laughs> trying to find people that own tractor trailers, independent tractor trailer owners that needed insurance. And we provided that service. But what I was able to do 
with that one business is I was also able to parlay that. And once they once they hired me to take care of their insurance for their tractor trailer, I would tap into their personal lines. How about their own personal cars, their own personal homeowners? How about their life insurance and disability needs? So that was it was synergistic with what I was doing. And then I went one step further and I noticed that these people were very, very proud of their rigs and they wanted people to see their rigs. And I found out that if I started a safety consulting business and took pictures of their trucks and had uh, you know, an inspection done, that we could get better prices on their insurance policies. So I started a new company that did safety and inspection services. It was synergistic. Same thing I did years later with my college funding business. I started a business on how to pay for college with tax-favored dollars. And that funding aspect of it that so many people were interested in because they had no clue, I parlayed that into an admissions business where I helped them pick the right college, help them write their essay, they do their SAT prep, get through the appeals process where they're negotiating with a college. And then after college, we started a retirement rescue business to get them back on track with their with their retirement savings. So even though those were all different streams of income, they were interrelated with what I started the business with. So with residual income, for example, we talk about network marketing. We talk about building, you know, how to grow your network marketing business, the building techniques and how to break through barriers. And then we talk about how to keep the money that you make through investments, through consistent investing. So they're all interrelated. And that's how I say multiple streams of income makes a lot of sense for people it just it's just that one core thing you have to concentrate on and become excellent at and then you can diversify from there with, with things that are synergistic that's how i look at it that was that was like entrepreneurial brain on steroids right there like your train of thought for your commercial insurance business i'm sitting there like i would never have gone down that path but that makes so much sense like when you break it out like that like going to their personal and then their life and disability and then this whole consulting safety consulting business like that is genius mm -hmm. so do you talk do you help people like kind of map that out your clients when you're talking to them because obviously like i wouldn't have thought of that but it it makes so much sense so do you help them kind of map that out in their yeah their current yeah, i do i i mean i take people as far as they want to go um, one of the things, and I know J Jennifer loves this, is I don't charge a fee for my business consulting services. When I take on a new client and I help them with, uh, let's say they're moving money around, they're trying to get into a tax-free bracket and they're trying to build compound interest or they're trying to build a residual income and they're on our team with our network marketing business and I'm helping them in that area. I give them whatever they ask for advice-wise and wherever I can help them. And that's what makes them become raging fans of me and maybe the podcast and makes them refer people to me. So, yeah, that is something that I feel is is a very important part of being a good um, business strategist and financial strategist for people, helping them in those areas that they don't have any clue on where they can go with it and just kind of walk, walking them through that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And then I assume you keep going with them so that they're when they have questions and they're like, okay, what do I do now? You're still there to to help them. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we become I I mean, I literally, and this sounds again cliche, but it's true. I, I become friends with all my clients. I mean, my clients have my mobile number. They can call me, they can text me whenever they want to. And we become, you know, very 
tight with these people. And it's just like, I mean, I do have some people that take it a little too far. Like, Murray, I'm at the store. Can I afford these shoes? I'm like, no, that's not what I do. But, you know, <laughs> you got to give them a little bit of leeway and stuff like that. But for most people, they understand and, and uh, they, they get it and they understand where they can uh, kind of lean on me for help. That's really cool. So I think you mentioned earlier, and I didn't know this about you. I didn't realize that were you and your wife in the network marketing game before Chelsea was? I, I For some reason, I had this in my head that Chelsea got into it. And then you guys were like, this is awesome. Let's let's do it too. Or am I? Oh, no, it was actually the opposite. It's funny that you say that. Uh, again, I'm going to be showing my age. But when Susan and I were receiving the top recognition award with one company um, back in the day, we literally got the award and and I was able to announce on stage that Chelsea was just born. <laughs> so oh she my gosh, was, that's so yeah, cute. We were in network marketing, but Chelsea likes, likes to say she came into this world in the network marketing business because we were in it way back then. So we've been in it over 30 years. Um, and we did take a hiatus. My wife actually is the driving force behind our network marketing business. She's brilliant. She's sought after. She's, you know, top 50 in the, in the, in the company that we're with right now with Isogenics. Uh, she is, she's amazing. And it was Chelsea that watched what Susan was doing when she was growing up that really got her interested in it. And then uh, when we joined Isogenics, when Chelsea was just uh, going into college, she was like witness to what, what Susan had created inside of just three years. She became millionaire in the company. And uh, Chelsea was like, this is something that I think I can really get behind. So, she, But she does it different. And as you know, Chelsea has become this really badass network marketer. She's got her own way of doing it. And she's just absolutely incredible when it comes to how she's building with, you know, millennials and with Gen Z's and Gen Y. So it's it's just great. That's so cool. So I have to ask, is your son doing any network marketing or is he just on his own on his own path? <laughs> he he is enrolled as an isogenics rep, but he no, he's not doing anything other than consuming a massive amount of our products because he just absolutely <laughs> loves nutrition. But he is still in college. He's in, out in Orange, California. He's studying business. Um, he's into Web3, as you mentioned, NFTs and crypto and all that stuff. But he loves the music business. He's actually a singer-songwriter. He loves film. He's still exploring lots of different options. So the, the jury's not out on Justin yet. We'll figure out what he's going to do. But he'll do something exciting, that's for sure. That's cool. So are you, you guys are based on the East Coast, right? Yeah, in the in the in the warmer weather for the last few years, since we became uh, part-time empty nesters when Justin went off to college, we're able to take off in the winter, and so we're not doing the the northeast winters that we were doing for so many years. So last year we were in Scottsdale for uh for the winter. The year before we were in uh, California. Um, this year we're 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 going to be teetering between a couple of different warm places. If it's got palm trees, you'll probably find me there in January, February, March, and April. <laughs> That's awesome. So your son is kind of far from y'all, right? Well, during part of the year, I guess, unless y'all go yeah. back that way for. Yeah, no, he is. He is. He he really loves it out there. And uh, I think he's probably going to make his home out there, but you never know. I mean, he's still only 22. He's got plenty of time to figure it out. Oh, oh, to be 22. <laughs> so I think kind of to, you know, summarize fund funding, monetizing the side hustle. Um, it, it's important to recognize that 
your own creativity is kind of the limit for finding multiple income streams. Uh, we, you know, with our business, ebooks and training and um, things that get royalties, and we can always launch over and over again. You know, is is our thing. I have people who are just selling. Uh, there's some website that you can sell storage solutions. So like if you have a shed or attic where people can store their stuff, they would pay you to store their stuff and they make an income from that to find, to fund um, their lifestyle. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, going back to the beginning of this podcast, goal setting, um, you know, are you wanting to create a certain amount of income in order to erase your debt, which would be, you know, step one of wealth building, uh, where do you want to go? How are you going to get there? How much do you need? Once you have those numbers and strategy in place, it's all about kind of following the steps. Mm. I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, you have to cultivate something that is special for you. I mean, I always tell people, I said this in my last podcast, actually create a, you know, a, a high income skill set, whether whatever that is that speaks to you. For me, it would be like speaking on stages or, you know, coaching a team or, you know, building skill set, a skill set that you can scale, that you can scale your income. So you choose a niche, you build your brand and you you create content, build your mindset around that, you know, and then create content and you can outsource like I've done with you guys, which has been brilliant. And then you can monetize that through your process on, you know, once you get good at something, you can ask people for money for what you do because it will help them. And if you provide value, they're going to want to hire you. They're going to want you to help them get to where they want to go. And I think that's going to be the key to it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think it's a lot of, there's a lot of steps in, in your, in your journey to everything that we've been talking about, but especially in in your your business and you know finding out where you want to be so I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say where you want to be like when when you grow up but it's not when you grow mm -hmm. up because some people are starting this you know later in their life because they're like okay I'm tired of I'm tired of this or I'm tired of that whatever their reason is to create their their residual income or their side hustle whatever it is um I think you know it's a lot there's a lot so speaking of that when you started doing this, however many moons ago, your residual income, your passive income, was there a lot of trial and error with your journey? Absolutely. I will tell you that speaking to what I think you were trying to say is that <laughs> in my parents' generation, they had one job, usually their whole entire career. And they worked in that job, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five until, you know, they retired. Um, my generation, the baby boomers, they were more changing their career every seven to 10 years, changing their company or career or their career path. Um, nowadays, you know, we're talking about multiple streams of income and, you know, there's going to be a trial and error period. You're going to try to figure out some stuff. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't going to work. One of the things I like to bring to the table to my clients is my own ability to try things that may not work, whether it's investing in cryptocurrencies or NFTs or building a business in one certain area that not people, not a lot of people have done before. So it was an that something that could have taken off or didn't. 
I mean, you know, we could look at people like, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, who created Apple when, you know, he came out with the iPhone. That wasn't that many years ago when that iPhone came out where you could actually listen to your music, you could get on the Internet and you could make a phone call and do your banking and do all these things from the same little device that you held in the palm of your hand. People would have laughed at that years ago when I was growing up, but he, he did it. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Elon comes out with a car that you can drive without gas and, and without an engine, for that matter. You can just plug it in. Who, who would have thought of that? But these things became huge, right? Massive, massive companies. So I, I say, if you go down that path where you're doing something that's unproven and hasn't been done before, you may or may not succeed. I'm sure there's a lot of stories of people that tried things that didn't work, but you have to just concentrate on the ones that do. So uh, yeah, is a lot of trial and error. No question, Jen. Okay, okay, okay. So we've said NFTs, we've said Web3 multiple times. I know we're closing out this episode, but I cannot let you go without talking a little bit about it. I just love it. So Web3, NFTs, where are we going? How does it benefit your business? Give us your your 10 second take on it. You got it. Your elevator so, pitch, if you will. The elevator your, elevator, pitch is, your elevator pitch. I might, I might have said something different a year ago, but right now here's what I'm going to say. The jury is still not out on this. I mean, regulation is imminent in this industry. And I think as regulation comes down, it will legitimize it for a lot of people. Right now, again, it's like wild, wild west out there. There's a lot of things going on. Unfortunately, like everything, there are scammers out there. You have to be very careful what you do. You know, crypto wallets and cryptocurrencies and crypto exchanges. Oh, man, it's just like... Yeah. The legitimate Bill ones. Bill Murray are just got his wallet hacked like a few weeks ago for like fifty thousand bitcoins taken out of it. Something crazy. No, I know you hear you hear a lot of this. It's horrible and it's scary, and it will eventually fix itself. It's just going to take some time. There are the non-believers. There are the believers. I'm here, I'm right in the middle. I think there is a there is a market for this stuff. I think it makes sense. I think there's more efficiency in some of the things that they're doing in that world that we don't have over here. As far as NFTs, I've always uh, been more interested in the real, real world utility of an NFT as opposed to the art side of it. So there's a there's a delicate balance in between that. That's another episode, guys. Honestly, it's just so much that we could talk about when it comes to that. But there are some really legitimate uh, ideas and concepts and um companies that are into the nft world so that's something that i think is is here to stay it's just going to evolve over a period of time we do so i mean right now we're talking it, it is another episode in itself we're talking how you can invest in nfts to create mm -hmm. an income for yourself how companies and brands are going to be using bitcoin um how web3 marketplaces those virtual reality marketplaces that Facebook and Apple and big name brands are mm -hmm. setting up how mm -hmm. that's going to look for your business. Will banks who are suffering under a shortage of the workforce as everybody, you know, builds their business, like will they turn to a virtual market? And if they do, will Bitcoin become more mainstream? It's super exciting. I love that. And, I love that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna mention this because you brought it up, metaverse is huge it's going to happen i don't know how big it's going to actually end up but i think right now that people are embracing it and as far as the crypto world the banks are resisting it because it's threatening to them as a matter of fact mm -hmm. i tried to buy some crypto 
not not too long ago, maybe less than a month ago. And I kept trying to buy. I wanted to buy one particular coin because I, I like where it's going and I like what's behind it. And I kept getting rejected on my credit card. So finally, I called the bank and I said, um, is, is there a problem with a, this going through? And they had to transfer me three times, you guys, to find out that that bank does not allow purchases of cryptocurrency. Why? It's my money. I'm using it. You can't tell me what I can buy, what I can't buy. And the reason they are is because it's threatening to them. So that just tells me that I'm more interested because they they wouldn't let me. I had to go through another route to get money into my account to buy more crypto in that one particular area. So yeah, it's it's definitely evolving. We're going to see some changes, NFTs, cryptocurrency, Web3, Metaverse. There's It's not going away. Mary, you're well, cracking me up because you just had another episode not that long ago. You reminded me of on how banks are getting rich off, you know, your money. And it's, it's such a good episode. Again, go to the family business, uh, what is it, familybusinesspodcast.info or the family business.info? Yes, familybusiness.info. Business. Yeah, okay. yeah. And all of this will be in our show good. notes. You guys can all click on it. Cool. I will say as we close out, we will be having more Web3 marketing talk. We have a, a company coming on that has figured out how to attach coupons and promos and media into radio wave or audio waves. So uh, when you're listening to a song or a podcast or uh, even a keynote speaker at a certain time during the audio, it could drop rewards to your phone and the <laughs> Love it. That idea behind that kind of marketing is just unheard of right now. But Can't wait to hear that podcast. That's going to be fantastic. Congratulations, mm -hmm. you guys. Your podcast is amazing and keep up the great Thank work. You. I love it. Thanks. Okay. Well, I think you guys, that was a good end note for us. Um, now everybody can sit there and rack their brains for more NFT and Web3 talk coming soon from the Mom Empire and maybe even Murray. Um, so, Murray, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We we have learned more, and I'm, I hope everybody listening has learned more. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you guys for inviting me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Family Business Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join our growing family and begin implementing the success principles to building a financial wall around your family, you can go to the familybusiness.info forward slash call and you can schedule a call with us because we have saved a spot at the table for you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and the people that you care about. And we would love it if you would take a second to give us a five-star review to help future family members just like you find us. I leave you with this. In life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you believe, plan, and expect. Let's do this.